right, now time for our final uh, fantasy football segment of the 2023 season to look back at the regular season. Also look ahead to the uh, postseason a little bit and beyond. Uh, we're now joined, and out to the KDUS hotline we go, we're now joined the sports zone by John McKechnie of rotowire.com. John, always good to have you on uh, once again. And the 2023 fantasy season has concluded since we last chatted. So let's go back and kind of review the fantasy playoffs, starting with some of the league winners, so to speak. Running backs are uh, usually have the biggest impact in the fantasy world. So who were some of the league winners at running back who turned out to be, you know, you know champions for their fantasy leagues in week 16 or 17? Uh, let, let's see here. So, so the guys that, that kind of put you o- over the top um, over the last couple of weeks, specifically, uh, let's see here. Well, Christian McCaffrey was kind of, I would say he's a league winner as far as uh, the amount of, of uh, teams in fantasy football finals, uh, you know, over 50%, I think, of ESPN leagues, their finalists mm. had Christian McCaffrey in there, but obviously didn't perform quite up to standards uh, late in the, in the season. Did well against Baltimore, uh, kind of had the, the quieter game against Washington where he got a little bit dinged up. So uh, that, that kind of, had a, a petering out effect on his season, but still I would consider him re- right in that mix. Uh, Kyron Williams probably takes the cake in, in, in that regard. Um, a guy that uh, went largely undrafted was someone that uh, was picked up off of waivers early on in the season. A lot of people uh, viewed Cam Akers as a, as a viable seventh, eighth round pick uh, in their drafts. That did not work out, unfortunately, for, for them, but if you scoop Kyron Williams and if you had the, the uh, stomach to, to hang on to him while he was injured and then fire him back up, you were handsomely rewarded for, for that, of course. I thought James Cook um, really kind of made me eat my words. And I'm a Georgia Bulldog myself, but I, I did not expect him to have the season uh, that he did. His game against the Cowboys in particular was unbelievably impressive, but generally just a, a, a really strong season from him, really exceeded my expectations, particularly um, a, as a rusher. Um but beyond that, um, you know, so some league losers, as it were. Uh, Tony Pollard was, was someone that got drafted too high relative to how he produced. A lot of people were betting on him uh, just keeping that efficiency but adding, you know, 150 touches to, to his ledger doesn't work that way. That's not how physics work. That's not how things work in football. So that, that ended up being a bit of a bust. Uh, I was on the receiving end of some teams with hard luck when it came to Austin Eckler. Um, as well, someone who was dinged up for a good bit of the season. And, and then when, when he was back, you know, you, you would hesitate and almost not even think about leaving him on your bench. But that would have been the pragmatic move more often than not because he was a complete dud in the second half of the season. How about some wide receivers and maybe even tight ends that might have been league winners or, uh, in, as you mentioned, uh, possible league losers? Um, so, you know, again, we'll, we'll start at the top. Um, I, I felt like CeeDee Lamb was really the, the huge difference maker um, th- this year in, in the fantasy landscape because if you think back to your drafts in August or, or up to Labor Day, um, he was someone that was going behind Garrett Wilson. He was going in, in the same tier as like Jalen Waddle, uh, Devontae Smith, Chris Olave, and he ends up being, you know, effectively the, the wide receiver one uh, for, for the season outside of maybe Tyree Kill, and he was – obviously healthy for, for the entire season, C.D. Lamb was. And, and just um, it, it's not just how he produced, but, but the way that he set you apart from the rest of the other receivers 
that we're going in that range. That, that it's not often that you, there's such a glaringly right answer uh, within a cluster of players in, in a tier, but C.D. Lamb uh, certainly fit that bill. Uh, Nico Collins w- was huge down the stretch um, as well. Amari Cooper uh, obviously missed week, week 17, I want to say, but week 16, he definitely helped get you into your finals with that insane game uh, against the yeah. Houston Texans, and, and hopefully he'll be healthy enough to, to be uh, ready to go this weekend when, when they have that, that rematch. Um, and then, you know, as far as you, your disappointments are concerned, I would say Stephon Diggs as a surefire first-rounder. Those days are likely over going forward. He, he's not, you know, o- over that age 30 threshold just yet, but something feels off. I feel like a move to a different team isn't uh, too far-fetched of an idea, depending on how the Bills' season ends up. But uh, whether it was the, the switch from Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady or, or just a, a general, uh, you know, conscious decision from Josh Allen to, to look elsewhere in this offense to, to make it go, which it obviously did down the stretch, um, you know, it, it resulted in, in uh, fantasy managers being pretty disappointed uh, in their first-round investment. I would say that even though he missed a bunch of time, I, I still felt like Justin Jefferson was had a successful season. Um, you know, on a per-game basis, he was still an unbelievable asset for, for your fantasy team. But I think going down the list a little bit, so, some other guys that, that may have been disappointing uh, to, to their drafters, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, uh, like I mentioned, Keenan Allen was great while he was healthy, but then obviously things went a little bit sideways there towards the end of the year. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I, I thought, was another guy who really stood out um, over the course of the season and found himself on, on a lot of winning rosters. How about some quarterbacks? Same topic here. Uh, you, know, you know, so-called winners, losers from the you – know, it was a wild year for quarterbacks in fantasy, it seemed. Yes, it, it really was. And, and you know, the, the runaway MVP, Lamar Jackson – wasn't really necessarily even like the the best fantasy producer. Um, you, a lot of the time you, you were able to find guys a little bit later on in drafts that, that really helps put you over, over the top. Um, CJ Stroud, I think really stands out to me as, as someone that, you know, by like week three, week four, especially if you were someone that, that drafted an Aaron Rodgers or a, a Justin Fields when he was struggling and then ultimately got hurt. You're like, what am I going to do at quarterback? Well, I guess I'm going to throw this rookie in for, from the Texans and, and see what happens. And, and uh, you know, that, that seemed to work out extremely well. Stroud, Stroud just an unbelievable rookie year. And, and I, I think that we have to look forward to him being uh, one of the elite quarterbacks in this league uh, for, for quite some time going forward. Um, I thought Matthew Stafford's renaissance this year um, was amazing. I, I thought that, you know, for, for him being a, a 13th, 14th round type of pick to put up the production that, that he did extremely impressive stuff, really elevated, uh, you know, other league winner types like, like Puka Nakua um, and, and Cooper cup. Uh, both those guys really kind of maximized that as a result of Stafford staying healthy and playing well over the, over the course of the year. And Brock Purdy and Jordan love, I think those are two other guys that uh, were drafted late and, and really uh, gave their, their fantasy managers and their investors a, a pretty significant profit and, and lit, the, the important thing to me when, when it comes to quarterback is you have it locked in. You're not having to make the, that tough decision every single week. Like I, I had a couple of roster constructions where it's like, uh, I invested in, in Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. Like what, what am I supposed to do on, on, on a given week? But um, you know, when, when you have things a little bit more stratified at quarterback, you have your guy, uh, especially if it's someone that you found late, but you, you can you know find that, that trust and that reliability in. 
uh, that that's huge and that's one less uh, tough decision that you have to make because obviously every every week you've got bench guys at receiver, running back, or tight end that are much trickier to figure out. Having quarterback off your plate is is always huge. So getting that locked in um, and, and being able to do so uh, with with a late round draft pick uh, that that's something can definitely set your your uh, team apart. John McKechnie, rotowire.com, currently in the sports zone. We talk some fantasy football, and there are fantasy leagues or contests for the playoffs beginning this week. Is there a best way to do a four-week contest, or is there something you can get involved with? Uh, you know, I'm in a league. I'll explain that in a couple of minutes. But uh, you know, what, what, what's actually the best approach if you're going to try to do something fantasy-wise for the postseason? Yes, so th- there are a, w- a wide variety of options. If best ball is something that, that you've been looking to try, um, I, I wouldn't say that this one is for uh, the, the faint of heart because it, um, the, the tournaments in these best ball formats can be a little bit cutthroat. But if you play on DraftKings or Underdog, they offer tournament contests. Uh, but you have to make sure that you pay attention to the, the structure of those tournaments because you, you're, you're in a league with you know a six to eight the, the leagues aren't as big because, you know, obviously there aren't as many teams, uh, but you have to win every single week in, in order to advance. But if you do the right type of contest selection where maybe there's an overall um, and, and it's not quite that, that cutthroat of a week-to-week elimination, that's certainly a good way of going about it. And last night I was able to participate in a, in a, uh, in a draft for the playoffs uh, that, that covers the entirety of it from the wild card all the way to the Super Bowl. And it's not a week-by-week elimination. It just covers the, the entire thing. And my team, uh, I, wish I, could, I wish I could take a few things back, but um, essentially the, the guiding principle that you want to have going into one of these playoff drafts is pick a narrative and stick with it. Because correlation, I think, it is it, it's big in, in season-long fantasy football, but it, it is absolutely paramount um, in, in playoff best ball or play, playoff fantasy because say you you're a believer that the Browns are, are going to make a run and, and potentially make it all the way to the Super Bowl. In that case, you get four games out of them. So you're going to want to be able to attack guys like Joe Flacco, uh, the running back room, Amari Cooper, David and Joku guys like that, because you, you can really get some serious leverage on the field who, over teams that are uh, more so stocking up on, on the chalkier favorites, like, like your Cowboys, your Ravens, your 49ers, uh, teams like that. So, so it, it's good to have uh, some exposure to, to those teams, of course, um, but, but also having a good amount of exposure to your cho- chosen dark horse, I think is also important. So last night, for example, uh, I did load up on, on a decent amount of Houston personnel uh, with CJ Stroud, Nico Collins, and, uh, and also their, their defense, but uh, not every league does the defense for, for this, but um, also, other note for this is making sure that you have exposure to both the AFC and the NFC conference to give yourself some coverage. Mm-hmm. If say, you, you know, your Browns uh, go out th- this weekend and, and lose to the, to the Texans, you want to make sure that you still have a little bit of NFC exposure to make sure that you, you still have uh, some, some guys alive as the, as the postseason progresses. You mentioned, you know, I, I'm in fact, I'm in a, in a league that you know, we, we draft on Friday for the entire postseason. Obviously, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the top seeds, the top teams, Ravens, Cowboys, you know, Niners, obviously, they're going to really be, be you know, they're gonna dominate the player pool. 
But you know, the, you know and the, the Bengals two you know two years ago playing four games. You mentioned uh, the Browns in the. Uh, and the uh, and the Texans as possibilities of you know, guys that could play teams that could play for a couple of weeks at least or longer in the postseason is is there an NFC team that kind of falls into that category or are we just kind of top heavy in that uh, in that conference? I wouldn't be shocked if we got or I would be shocked, but it, I think it's on the table for there to be three upsets uh, in the NFC that, this weekend. I, I would start with. Uh, the, the Buccaneers as a team that, that I think is getting slept on in, in these uh, fantasy markets right now. Um, I think they have a very good chance to, to beat an Eagles team that is really, really limping into the postseason. I was willing to give the Eagles one more shot last weekend when they were going to, to face the Giants because it's like, okay, you've been struggling. Here's your chance to, to uh, kind of get right before the postseason. Uh, what happened? They just kind of got trounced by – the New York Giants, that's it's not a great sign for them coming in. The Bucks are at home in that matchup, so it wouldn't shock me if they get that one done. Uh, the Packers, I, I expect the least uh, to be able to pull off the upset, but they are an explosive team. So even if uh, we, we don't get a deep playoff run out of them, um, I think we could expect some, some pretty good numbers in a one-game sample uh, from guys like Jordan Love, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, uh, those types. And, um, you know, I think the winner of, of the Rams – Lions game has a good chance of, of advancing uh, to the NFC championship game. So, so bear that in mind, make sure that, you know, you kind of have it in, in your uh, frame of reference, who you think is going to win that game on Sunday. If you think it's going to be the Lions, I think that you're banking in um, upwards of three games potentially. And, and same deal for the Rams. I think if the Rams get out of Detroit with a win, uh, they're going to be viewed as one of those really, really dangerous teams going into the divisional round as well. Talking with John McKechnie from rotowire.com. And, you know, let's get into the uh, little bit of look ahead for the 2024 fantasy season. Um, Have you formulated roughly a top five for next year so far? Um, So the the top five uh, over on rotowire at least. So these are – these are not my rankings specifically, but this is, this is how we expect the, the, the top five to go. And this is how we rank them. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, the one, one, uh, I think he, I think I agree with that. He's still uh, the, the guy. And especially with running backs, it, it being harder to find a true workhorse that, that also catches passes. Uh, he's pretty much the, the only one that, that fits that mold uh, at this stage. Uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, number two in our rankings, I, I wouldn't fight anyone for, for putting C.D. Lamb in there um, or even Tyreek Hill, if, assuming that Tyreek Hill um, still has the wheels. Looks like he still does. So I don't think that speed element's going away. He's still going to be that number one guy for, for the Dolphins. So I would have him at three. Um, I'm a bit uh, willing to disagree with my employer on Kyron Williams as the, as the number three. Uh, I think that there's too much that can happen this offseason – uh, with, with the Rams, I don't know if they'll go into next year with, with that lack of depth in the backfield to where, you know, Kyron Williams has to be the, the end-all, be-all, playing 100% of the snaps type of thing. So I do view uh, Kyron Williams at this stage to be the, the obvious sort of early-round trap uh, going into 2024 because it, there's, just, there's just not quite enough prospect pedigree. I, I think that the NFL – sample has been very strong for him but I do worry that that it goes away because he doesn't have that that sort of trump card as far as his athletic traits are concerned um, so it's going to be a wide receiver heavy um, first round I, I think guys like, like um, Amon Ross St. Brown fit, fit the mold I think A.J. Brown is still in that discussion I, I'm, I'm interested in Jamar Chase 
uh, in a bounce back year as well. You know, didn't have Burrow for a lot of this year, got dinged up uh, late. I think that he's someone that, that's definitely to be worth considering. And, and uh, I think that for at least this year, this coming year, we, we are not going to see the first round tight end like we did with, with Travis Kelsey in 2023. John, you follow college football closely. Uh, you know, we don't know where guys are going yet, but uh, what rookies might have a fantasy impact in 2024? Um, so I think you start with the quarterbacks. I think, um, you know, it can be tough. You know, you can have a Bryce Young situation. So hopefully Caleb Williams can avoid that if he ends up going to Chicago. Uh, I think he would because the team context there is much stronger um, than what Bryce Young was walking to. Uh, there in Carolina. Uh, Drake May um, sort of would be the C.J. Stroud uh, analog, but I, I'm not sure that he's quite a, as good as Stroud was coming out of Ohio State. I think he, he's a little bit overrated, to, to be honest with you. But interesting nonetheless it, in uh, in Dynasty. Jaden Daniels is the interesting one be, because he has that rushing upside in addition to the polished passing game. Uh, but you do wonder how much of his ability to, to dominate this year was based on the fact that he was a lot older than, than the guys. Uh, he was facing and also had uh, an elite uh, supporting cast around him. Re- receiver is, is where I think there's going to be the most fantasy interest from this rookie class. Um, it's a, it's an unbelievable class. I, I think you have Marvin Harrison as the clear number one, but Washington's Romo Dunze uh, really showed himself uh, that this past year. I think uh, Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors, both of LSU, helping Jaden Daniels uh, were, are you know legit NFL starters for, from the jump. And then my kind of sleeper from uh, from that group of of, uh, of receivers is, is probably Troy Franklin uh, from, from Oregon. He yeah. sort of reminds me of a West Coast version of AJ Green, just a really graceful um, player with, with the ball in the air. I really like his game a lot. And then, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're we're going to have uh, any first or maybe even second round uh, running backs this year. Blake Corum might be the guy, but. Uh, and I think he, he can be a decent plug-and-play option. Not going to offer you a lot in the, in the passing game, but um, he's someone to keep an eye on. I think Audric Estime for, from Notre Dame is interesting. I think Trevion Henderson uh, from Ohio State is, is interesting as well. I think you know what he showed as a freshman, if he can tap back into that, uh, he's probably the best back in this class. And then Trey Benson from Florida State as well. Plus, you know, Henderson has pass, catch, pass uh, catching skills, which I don't think they used quite enough, quite frankly, at Ohio State. All right, back to the uh, fantasy, back to the NFL playoffs. You know, where else can people uh, hear you the next few weeks, uh, whether it be uh, this week regarding the uh, the uh, the upcoming playoffs or uh, the uh, you know the draft or you know looking ahead to the uh, the off season here. So uh, we we keep the the RotoWire uh, fantasy football podcast going year round. Um, so we'll, we'll shift our focus uh, tomorrow and every Thursday throughout the postseason and all throughout the offseason as well. So we'll start focusing on playoff best ball strategy tomorrow and breaking down the games from a fantasy perspective. That'll be live-streamed on RotoWire's YouTube channel and on Twitter. And I'll also be sure to retweet that at John's underscore tailgate over on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. And we will also be doing our RotoWire sports betting podcast um, and that runs just through the Super Bowl, and we'll pick that back up at the start of next season. But Nick Whalen and I do do, a, do our best to, to kind of handicap the games and, and give out our best bets, our parlay, our favorite parlays uh, every single week. So that 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 runs on Thursday nights, and that's also uh, live streamed on our YouTube and, and our other social channels. 
John, this has been great. I really appreciate it as always. And uh, yeah, I'm. We'll catch. I, I guarantee you, we'll catch uh, catch up with you again before, certainly before the maybe right after the uh, you know, the early cluster of NFL free agency moves because you know some guys are going to move and be in a better teams fantasy wise. So we'll definitely catch up a couple of times before next fall. Thanks for everything. Look, looking forward to it. I, I really enjoy coming on with, with you every week during the football season. And, and uh, you know, anytime that, that you want uh, to, to break things down during the off season, uh, I will make it happen on, on my end. So no problem there. Uh, looking forward to the next time we chat down the road. And uh, best of luck in your, in your uh, fancy playoff pools and, and all that good stuff. And uh, enjoy the playoffs. You too. Thanks much. Always good talking to you. John McKechnie from rotowire.com. Tremendous stuff as always.